I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This is Play Me, your digital theater. We transform the hottest contemporary plays into bingeable audio dramas. I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Tolley. Welcome to Play Me, your ticket to some of the hottest shows by award-winning playwrights. We're back with the next show in our series, Andrea Scott's drama, Control Damage, about legendary activist Viola Desmond. You know her as an activist. You recognize her from the Canadian $10 bill. But how much do you really know about the woman who challenged racism by refusing to vacate her seat at a whites-only section of a movie theater in 1946? That act of defiance helped contribute to the rise of the civil rights movement and transformed Viola Desmond into an icon in the league of changemakers like Rosa Parks. Andrea Scott's play not only depicts Viola Desmond's act of bravery, but also humanizes the woman behind the legend while highlighting the many repercussions she faced. I don't know about you, Laura, but I didn't know that much about Viola Desmond's life beyond the headlines of her story. It's fascinating to learn more about her short life and the tremendous personal sacrifice she endured to take her stand. Yes, and the play paints a pretty vivid portrait of systemic racism in Canada at the time and what she was up against when she made that fateful decision. We're marking Black History Month, and it's pretty hard to think of a more fitting play. And I'm particularly happy that we can feature it here on Play Me, since it was scheduled to be produced this spring at the Grand in London, but like so many other plays, had to be postponed due to COVID-19. Fortunately, audiences will be able to see it there live and in person as part of their 22-23 season. I know after its world premiere at Neptune Theatre in Halifax in 2020, many people have been anxious to get to see it on stage. This is part one of three of Controlled Damage by Andrea Scott. A note to our listeners, this play is set in the 1940s and contains a racial epithet as the show reflects the racism of the era. Listener discretion is advised. Like two birds in a cockfight, neither one of them would or could move out of the way fast enough. One Norwegian, the other French, squeezed into the Chibuktuk. Chibuktuk. Or what white people called Halifax Harbor, which was already very narrow. The French didn't raise their red warning flag to tell the other ship they were carrying dangerous cargo, and the Norwegians just pushed into the harbor without getting the official okay. Children. They behaved like children. I should know. I had 15 of them. Viola had just fallen asleep in her high chair in the kitchen. Nobody knew it then, but the French ship was full of TNT, benzol, and peric. 
and when those two big ships bumped into each other. I hadn't been away from my girls, and I already missed their faces. The Benzal leaped onto the deck. There were sparks from the scraping, torn metal, and the barrels of Benzal. Barrels of Benzal. Barrels of Benzal. Shot up into the air, and it looked like fireworks. We were just two kilometers away at Turtle Grove, and it didn't look like anything we'd ever seen before. And then... And then... Everything went black. Two thousand nine hundred and twenty-five tons of munitions exploded on December sixth, nineteen seventeen. I just left the kitchen to use the bathroom when the blast happened. I died instantly. A tsunami dragged my mother and brothers into the churning water of the harbor. Their bodies were never found. The train just stopped suddenly. Two thousand people were killed. I left Vi and the family at home with their father and was on my way to Connecticut with my two boys for a family funeral when the train stopped outside of Truro because of the explosion. Emily, who was four, started crying. Hundreds were blinded by flying glass debris and shrapnel. Bundling my boys in an old furry robe, I hired a horse and buggy to get us back to Halifax. Helen was downstairs, thrown to the ground by the force of the explosion. My Uncle Charlie's whole family was killed. Viola was three and in her high chair in the kitchen with her back to the window. They say 29 Mi'kmaq died that day. I rushed to the kitchen where Viola was slumped over, window blind, fallen on her head, and covered in broken glass. My heart was in my throat as I got back into Halifax. There were dead bodies in trees, in ditches, and body parts on the ground. My lord, my lord. I will never forget what I saw. Kebegeg was never the same. So many children swept away by a tsunami that sounded like the Fundy Tidal Bore during flood tide at full moon. Oh dear lord, Violet is dead. What am I going to tell Gwen? That she trusted me to take care of our girls and one of them died while she wasn't here? Nobody was looking to save us. The 17 Mi'kmaq families at Gadi and Kebegeg. I ran into our home and... Vi's little fists were clenched tight and she wasn't moving. I dropped to my knees. Vi looked up and said, Daddy, those bad boys throw walks at me. And I thanked God he spared my children. But their spirits are here. The more we say their names, the better they can rest and know we haven't forgotten them. It's a miracle Viola survived that blast. She was spared because the Lord had big plans for my little girl. You can have all the facts, but that doesn't mean you know the truth. Viola Irene Davis, the girl who lived. I'm sorry, miss. You're sitting in the wrong seat. I have my ticket stub right here. No, you're not allowed to sit here. I'm sorry? I don't understand. You paid for a balcony ticket? It's more expensive down here. I can pay the difference. Hold on. Here you go. 
Coloreds don't sit down here. You have to sit in the balcony. Madam. Madam. Madam, you need to go upstairs. Please, just let me watch the movie. I'm not doing anything wrong. Hey, Mr. Again. British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island. What did Mary just say, Andrew? British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island. And what's the best country in the world? Canada! One more time. Canada! That's right. Here we are, alive, healthy, free. Hungry. Are you hungry, Michael? A little. You're always hungry. Here's an apple. And when was Confederation, Michael? Um... You know this. I know it! Think, we learned this last week. We're gonna be here forever. Mikey's a dummy. He don't know this. I'm sorry, Mr. Walls. Do you have the answer? No, ma'am. Miss Davis! Miss Davis! I know the answer. I know you do, Mary. You always know the answer, but I want Michael to know it, too. Now, come on. At one time, Canada only included four provinces. Okay, let's make this fun. Everyone in a circle. I toss the ball at you, and you name one of the original four provinces. Michael? Nova Scotia. Ontario. New Brunswick. Quebec. So Confederation was? 1867. Well done, class. So how old is our country? 65. We old. Yeah? (laughs) Take a seat. So what year was Halifax founded? Let's start a timeline. 1749. Very good, Mary. Oh. Well, don't mind me. Pretend I'm one of the students. Where was I? We were talking about Halifax. Right. Right. Um, who lived in Halifax when the British arrived? Colored people? Yes, but not that many. And they were slaves escaping the United States after the American Revolution. And what year was that? Where's the ball? Ball? I got it. Throw it to me. 1781 to 1783. Somebody's been doing some extra reading, I see. Keep it up. Canada has slaves. Miss Davis. This lesson is not about slavery, Frederick. Quick, who founded Halifax? Governor Edward Cornwallis. Very good. Nobody likes a brown noser, Mary. But I guess you can't really help that now, can you? That's enough teaching for today. Class dismissed, children. What? No, I'm not done. Andrew, Mary, Michael, children, we are not finished. There's still 20 more minutes left. I... What is your job, Miss Davis? I'm a teacher. You're a teacher. Teach the curriculum. That's what I was doing. No. What were you doing? Throwing a ball around like this is some kind of playground? They're not learning, they're playing. 
If it helps them learn, what does it matter? Sir, I don't understand what I've done wrong. You teach children, Miss Davis. Tell them anything and they will believe you. Talking about slavery. I'm at a loss as to what you think that would actually do to help them. It wasn't something I had planned to talk about, but it is part of history. Their history. We don't want the children upset. Colored children need a calming influence to soothe the savage nature in their blood. I mean, what are they going to do with their lives once they finish here? Most won't finish high school, and college is out of the question, obviously. Talking about slavery. We just wanted you to teach the basics. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's it. But you're headstrong, and you do what you want, even after being warned. Where on earth do you get your confidence? I... I was told you might be a problem after the last school let you go. I wasn't let go. What was it again? Oh, right. <laughs> you felt that the textbooks weren't good enough for your students and tried to get new ones ordered in. The moxie you have. They were out of date and missing pages. We had limited supplies. My students couldn't learn without simple items. Your compassion is heartening. I'll give you that. But I've decided that we won't have you back next year. We need teachers who can follow instructions, not do whatever they want. I can't give you a referral, and even if I did, where would you go? Light as you are, you'd never pass. You're obviously a mulatto. And, well, very pretty. No white school will hire you. Now, don't act as though you have a choice here, Viola. Miss Davis, sir. There's no ring on that finger, and until that miss becomes a missus, you're not in a position to say no to me. You can keep your job, but you have to be sweeter, more accommodating. First things first, I love your hair that way, all big and curly. It's a little wild. I hate it when you wear it in a bun. Reminds me of my wife. Your hair is so soft. Don't touch me. Pride goeth before the fall, Miss Davis. I guess you think you can talk back because you're half-white. Don't bring my mother into this. Watch your tone, Missy. Miss I Davis! Uh Mary. I forgot my notebook. Oh, sorry, Mr. Nixon. That's all right, Miss Freeman. Miss Davis and I are finished. You have a good day now. You didn't have to run, Mary. You could have gotten it on Monday. Yes, but then I'd be without all my thoughts for two whole days. This is the only place I can do my work. You're such a good student. Did you get that from your mama? I got it from my Grammy. She says, ain't nothing the Lord can't stand more than an uncultured mind. What does she have to say about a nappy head? Come here, girl, sit down. What is going on with this bird's nest you got going on up here? Oh, miss... The boys in class like to poke and tease me, and some of the time they pull out my hair. Call me Scarecrow. Here's a ribbon they pulled out. Nasty little things. Uh-huh. They say I talk too much in class and I'm a know-it-all. Is that what they say to you? Yeah, and there's no reason to be in school because I'm just going to get married and have a bunch of babies anyway. Oh, dear. That's terrible. On Monday, I'll talk to them. Thanks, Miss Davis. If colored ladies don't stick together... The boys will make a mess of things, right? Well, Mary, you know I'm the lady and you're just a little girl, right? Yes, um... And I'm mixed race, not colored. Huh? My mom is white and my daddy is colored, so that makes me mixed. 
But you're brown, like me. Well, not exactly like you. You're a teeny bit darker than me. Uh-huh, but... And look at my hair. It's not coarse and thick like yours. Touch it. Oh. Hold on, let me get a mirror. See? Look how pretty you are. Look at my hair! You're also smart as a tack. If my mama made you some supper, maybe you could come over and do this every couple of weeks, if you like. I might even do it for a big slice of her mahogany cake. Ooh, Miss Davis, I think you could have two jobs if you really wanted. Can I tell you a secret? Uh-huh. One day I want to be like Madam C.J. Walker. Who? She was a colored lady who ran her own hairdressing and cosmetics business all over the United States. And Mary, she was rich. Cheapers. Is your mama home now? Uh-huh. Let me walk you home. I'd love to have a chat with her. Lead the way. We'll be right back. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. I think we should have a sleepover and give each other facials so we know what we're doing before the test on Monday. I'll make up flashcards about hair color, dyes, and textures. And my mère will make tortillas. Oh, can we have spaghetti and meatballs with lots of cheese instead? <laughs> I thought you wanted tortillas. I love your mom's meat pies, but now I want spaghetti. There's so many places to eat here. Nothing like Halifax? We're a little bit bigger. I love it here. Maybe you could stay after you graduate. After I graduate, I'm going down south to learn how to style colored people's hair. I've been dreaming about that for ages. You don't want to stay in Montreal? I love it, but I don't think I can get a job in a white beauty shop, do you? You're not so dark. Maybe they wouldn't know you were colored. You go on to New York City and learn from the best. I've never seen a colored woman working on a white lady's hair. While I'm in the States, I want to go somewhere just for the sake of seeing a new city, like New Haven, Connecticut, where my mom is from. What about Europe, Paris, or Rome? That would mean getting on a ship, and I'm afraid of boats. Titanic, yes? Reading about it gives me the nightmares. Can you even swim? Does the dog paddle count? <laughs> they all froze to death. Gives me chills. Look, goosebumps. Speaking of chills, there's a man with an eye patch watching us. Where? There. Oh, he's coming towards us. Jackie? I think they're friends. Charlie, Meredith, this is my boyfriend, Jack Desmond. Hey, il est beau, comment you? Pleasure to meet you. I thought you lived in Halifax. I do, but I miss my girl so much. I had to drive all night to see you. Jack, I'm coming home in a couple more weeks. Vi, I think this foursome should become a twosome, so we're going to split. Yeah, Chaz is right. Nice to meet you, Jack. And Apazinia V. <laughs> Apazinia. Apazinia? Oh, it's just silly. It means I'll be seeing you. Oh. Oh. 
What you doing here, Jackie? Did you really miss me that much? I did. Your parents named you perfectly because, Viola, you are a song in my heart and in my head. I can't stop thinking about you. That is so sweet. You think I'm corny. Uh-huh. Real corny. I'm an old cornball that doesn't understand the new slang. <laughs> yeah, but you're my old cornball, so who cares? I love you, Viola Davis. I love you, Jack Desmond. You do, don't you? Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't just come here because I miss you. I mean, I did. I do. But in the last couple of days while you been here, I talked to your daddy and... Viola Davis, will you marry me? Yes. Well, I can't wait to tell Meredith and Charlie. Wanda, Emily, Constance, Helen, Olive, and Hazel can be the bridesmaids. Eugenie will be my maid of honor. And you've got seven friends who can be groomsmen. Of course you do. But not Howard. He gives me the willies. Who should we ask to be the flower girl? Maybe your little niece? She'll love that. How am I going to plan a wedding while taking courses? I can't study for a test tonight after this. Oh! You want to keep going to school? Of course. But once we're married, you don't have to work. I know, but I want to. And when I'm done here, I'm off to hairdressing classes in the States. You knew that. I just thought... I give up my dreams to be your wife? Married ladies don't work. Says who? I want both to be a beautician and a wife. Face it, Jack, you'd be bored with the girl who lived for making you supper and babies. Guess I'll never find out. We've got lots of time for the pitter-patter of little feet and chicken pot pie. I do like chicken pot pie. And as soon as our babies come, I'll quit working and stay home. I like hearing you say babies. Until they show up. We're going to have so much fun. I can't wait to become Mrs. Jack Desmond. You really did say yes. I'm not dreaming. Can't get rid of me now, sir. I'm never taking off this ring. Now that's a promise I can get behind. How's your back? Holding up. Don't you worry about me. I always worry about you. <sighs> it's my fingers that are howling in pain. Ooh. Lord have pity on me this winter. How can it be this cold in November? You are my Samson. Thank you for your brute strength. You saying you're Delilah? I'm Mrs. Viola Desmond, good sir. You a saucy woman, Mrs. Desmond. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm tired. Aren't you tired? I don't have to wear heels all day. Let me get your slippers. Thank you, honey. And can you hand me that notebook over there, please? Shouldn't you start dinner soon? I will. I just had an idea as I was driving home, and I wanted to get it down as soon as I could before I forgot. I had Rose in my chair today, and she told me a humdinger of a story. <laughs> oh boy, was it a pip? Seems like... Well, what's for supper, anyway? Fish cakes and pea soup. Mama left a jar of preserves in the ice box, so we could have that with ice cream for dessert. Leftovers. I could make you a sandwich. No, no. Sandwiches ain't dinner. What are you working on over there? Wig designs. Wig designs. Colored women only have a few choices for wigs, but if I designed a few more... Where are you going to find the time to do that on top of everything you've been doing? We can always find time to do the things we want to do, Jack. I have an idea of something we can do. No, it's 5.30. It'll be dark soon. I can't concentrate with you poking at me. Let me warm up supper. Soup or sandwich? You. 
Soup it is, Romeo. Can you believe it's getting dark so soon? I miss summer. It was a cold one, though. The leaves are pretty, though. Yeah, we do have the prettiest autumn. Jack, where's my bookmark? School's over, Vi. What are you reading this for? It's teaching me how to get better at my job. You're a hairdresser. You wash hair, you cut hair. What more do you need to know? To think bigger. For example, I'll bet I could get some of your customers to buy a wig. Girl, black men don't wear wigs. Some of them are getting a little thin on top. Donald Augustine ain't fooling nobody wearing that pork pie hat all the time. Men are as vain as women. Of course they are. But if any of the men in my shop started wearing a wig, the whole town would know because gossip ain't just the domain of you chickens and hens. I'm just looking at expanding our business. I mean, look at this. What you learn in this chapter will help you arouse enthusiasm amongst your colleagues. I'm aroused. Stop. One day I'm going to be too big and pregnant to curl somebody's hair, so I'm going to start teaching a few colored girls in town to take over when I'm home. Once a teacher, always a teacher. I like the section at the end of Rules for Making a Home Life Happier. You have been reading this. Sly dog. I haven't gotten that far yet. What does that say? Read a book on the sexual side of marriage. I also really like the chapter about being a good listener. Husband. Wife. Dinner's ready, but I think we can skip to dessert. But you have to catch me first. I caught you once. I think I can do it again. That was part one of Control Damage by Andrea Scott. Parts two and three are available on Play Me on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week with an in-depth interview with the playwright. Controlled Damage was written by Andrea Scott. It was directed by Nigel Sean Williams. The play featured Deborah Castrilli, Megan Swaby, Sarah Richardson, Taylor Olson, Nathan D. Simmons, and Jeremiah Sparks. This episode's sound design, edit, and mix are by Chris Tolley. The world premiere of Control Damage was produced by Neptune Theatre in association with B. Currents Performing Arts. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know what you think about Play Me. You can email us at playme at cbc.ca. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Theatre or Instagram at PlayMePodcast. Play Me is produced by Laura Mullen and Chris Tolley in partnership with CBC Podcasts. A special thanks to our CBC producers, Sarah Clayton, Cecil Fernandez, and Tanya Springer. The executive producer of CBC Podcasts is R.F. Norani. Our senior director is Leslie Merklinger. Play Me is funded by the Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. Play Me is an Expect Theatre production. For more information about our plays, please visit playmepodcast.com. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.